Hey, everybody, and welcome to Living Forward. I am Kathy Baker, and I am glad that you are joining me today for the second lesson in my series, The Healing Miracles of Jesus Then and Now. Today, we're looking at the story in Scripture that is entitling Jesus Heals a Man at the Pool of Bethesda. And so I want us to think today, first of all, about habits. Think about your best habits what are they? What are your habits daily? Think about that for just a minute. Jot some things down about things that you do every day that are some really good habits that you have developed. And then I want you to think about your worst habits. Oh, we don't like to recognize them. We don't like to acknowledge them or talk about them. But it's really important because we're going to hear a story today about a man who had developed a really bad habit that lasted for 38 years. So think about your own habits. What are they? What is it that you're doing um, every day that is not really a good thing in your life? Well, the things we do every day, both the productive things and the destructive things that we take compound over time. That means they increase over time. And that is what has put us in the position we're in today, whatever position that is. There was a report by Duke University that found that 40% of our habits are automatic. We don't even think about them. We wash our hands after we go to the bathroom. We brush our teeth every morning and every night. And we're supposed to floss every morning and night. And so there are things that we just do by rote. They're automatic. But today we're going to look at a man who had a 38-year bad habit. So let's think about a few questions. What makes someone continue a bad habit for that long? What makes any of us continue a bad habit? Think about it. I wonder what story did he tell himself that kept him faithful to a bad habit? And then what does it take to change a bad habit? Well, let's think about that for just a second. To make or break habit, it all starts with a thought. Thoughts turn into actions. Habits come from daily activities compounded over time. I'll say that again. Habits come from daily activities, daily actions that we take that are compounded over time. Compounded. Compound interest can be thought of as getting interest on interest. And that amount will grow at a much faster rate than simple interest because that's only calculated on a principal amount. So think about your bad habits and think about what kinds of thoughts led to those activities that are now bad habits and how they have compounded over time. Are your habits compounding because you are repeating them automatically? Well, let's look at our Bible character today who had a compounding habit. We're looking at John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 
When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always get there, gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But the miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, Well, the man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. (laughs) Well, who said such a thing, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So Jesus had come from the city of Cana to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate one of the religious feasts. In Jerusalem, there were different gates to enter, and they were used for a variety of purposes. And one of those gates is called the Sheep Gate. And this was the entrance through which the sheep they were using for sacrifices would enter. It's interesting that as Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world, entered through the same gate. Wow. Now, once he was inside the city, he goes to the pool of Bethesda. Oh, that is one of my favorite areas in Jerusalem. It's just outside the church of St. Anne, and it is, it is there with lots of steps. It, it, it's a beautiful area with lots of sto- uh, stones and rocks that are piled up. I'm sure it was a, a, a really pretty area during this time, but at that time during all, uh, as, as Jesus entered, there were people lying around all over who were sick and who were paralyzed. And so Jesus is moving into the middle of this group. And it's, it's really interesting how Jesus selects people for healing. And we don't know what made him go to the man who was, uh, that he went to, but it looks as if Jesus was very intentional. He was growing the ministry. He was developing followers. And he was using opportunities for uh, healings so that others would come to him. And so he sees all these people who are sick and they're paralyzed and they, they can't move. And so he doesn't heal everybody at the pool that day. But as he moved through the blind and the lame, he is drawn for some reason to one particular man who had been ill for 38 years, every day lying on his mat waiting to get into the pool. 38 years is a long time to sit on your mat. Every day looks the same. It had become his habit. A habit of waiting, watching, hoping, but nothing changed. Sitting on the mat every day had become a way of life for this man. His life had become stagnant. He was stuck. He was stuck on his mat. You know, he was unable really to see life beyond the pool, beyond what was called the magic water. And I'm sure now he has convinced himself that life 
uh, will change in the magic pool, but maybe not for him. So he sits on his mat waiting, watching, and hoping that things will change. Well, see, all of the sick and paralyzed people have come to this spot because they believed that this water had healing properties and it could change their life. And, and it was said that every now and then an angel would stir that water and the water would begin to bubble. And the first one in the water would be healed. Well, this man has told himself this. He said, as soon as I see the bubble, I'll try to get to the front of the line. And what was happening to the man that he was living in an as-soon-as life? As soon as the water bubbles, I'll get up off the mat. As soon as I get to the water, my life will be better. As soon as I get into the water, my problems will be fixed. Do you hear the story he was telling himself? See, this pool of Bethesda is an illusion. An illusion that the magic water was going to fix his problem. Illusions like this are what convince us that our life is nothing more than our circumstances. And as soon as I can do this or that, then my life will change. See, these illusions deceive us into believing that life can be fixed outside of ourselves. It tells us that somebody or something can fix the problem that we have within us. It, it tricks us into living an as-soon-as life. You know, most of us know what that is like. We tell ourselves stories. We say to ourselves, or, or maybe we even say it out loud, as soon as this or that happens, everything's going to be better, and I'll be happy. And, and we say, my problems will go away as soon as this or that happens, and I'll be satisfied, and all will be well then. See, the pool of Bethesda has a strong attraction for all of us. You know, kids say, as soon as I get big and grow up, I, I will do so-and-so. Um, or as soon as I turn certain ages, I'll be able to do so-and-so. And this just continues through our life. I mean, here's what can be said through different stages of life. As soon as I graduate or get a job or get a better job, or as soon as I get married or get out of this relationship, then I will, and you fill in the blank, or as soon as I have more time or more money, or I'll, as soon as I get a better house, or how about this, as soon as he changes the way he acts, or... As soon as she apologizes, then, hmm. Or as soon as I feel better, or, or just get through this time in my life. Or as soon as they do what I would like. Or as soon as I get a vacation, or retire, or as soon as I can just move to the mountains, or as soon as I can get to the beach, then, you see how we fill in those blanks? Or as soon as I get over this grief and no longer feel sad, then I'll be able to. Or as soon as I lose 10 pounds. Or as soon as I get in shape. Or how about this? As soon as COVID is over. 
<laughs> then I will. Well, maybe there's some truth to that one. But as soon as the blank, as soon as, and you just fill in the blank with most anything, the problem will show up. And you know what? It's just like the illusion of the pool of Bethesda. We think that as soon as is going to fix our problem. And in the meantime, life has been put on hold. This man's habit put him in a holding pattern. See, he pressed that pause button and he pressed it so hard that it got stuck. (laughs) He is pausing life. Is that happening to us at any point? Do we just sit on our mat, self-imprisoned by the circumstances of our life? Do we sit on our mat and look out at the magic water, a pool of our illusion? Well, in this case, Jesus encounters this man, and then Jesus asks him a very strange question. As the man is sitting on the mat, looking out at the pool of illusion in Bethesda, Jesus says to him, do you want to get well? And we think this is sort of an odd question, don't we? I mean, if the man was starving, would you say, would you like some food? (laughs) You know, we might say that, but it seems strange. Of course, he would like some food, we would think. Well, this man paralyzed for 38 years, and Jesus says, do you want to get well? So it sounds like a strong question, but Jesus always has a purpose in his questions. Let's think of the implications of the question. In the past 38 years, this man has been a beggar. So he lived his life off of donations of others. If he were healed, he would lose those donations. He would lose the pity of others. If this man changed his habit and were healed, he would have to be responsible for himself. He would have to find work. It would be a whole new world for him. You know, do we want to be healed? Jesus might be asking us. Do you know, we see this man in many people like this in our day. Their lives are sick. Their lives are dysfunctional. They have developed patterns and habits that have become their normal. But they have never considered that God might have something new for them a healing of sorts. They don't know that there is something more to life. Or they become tired of trying. Or they're afraid to try to get off the mat. They have been satisfied with just getting by and living on the mat. And and this is an acceptance. It's an acceptance of our plot in life. And, And so... If it happens to us, we often just accept our life and just sit in our habits on our mat. First, like this man, we have to answer this question. Do you want to get well? Notice what the man answers in verse 7. He says, I can't, sir. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. The imprisonment is so great when that Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get the man? Well, the man doesn't say yes. Notice he avoids the question. He says, I can't. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Do we say, I just can't do it. I can't. 
He doesn't say whether or not he wants to be well. He complains. He tells us how unfortunate he is. There's nobody there to put me into the pool. He gives us the list of troubles. He offers his circumstances and he makes excuses and he begins to blame. When the water bubbles up, others get ahead of me. They break line. They get in front of me. They get there first. I am left out. He begins to blame others. We've been blaming others for our problems since the beginning of time. Remember when God asked Adam why he disobeyed? Adam said, the woman gave it to me. She persuaded me to eat. See, from the time of Adam and Eve, we're pointing our fingers. And when Moses asked his, his brother Aaron, why did you let the Israelites worship a golden calf? Aaron said, well, you were gone and the people made me do it. I didn't really do anything. Uh, you know, but I, I just threw the jewelry they sent me and, and threw it. And then there was a fire and poof, out came a golden calf. So blame them. Blame the fire. The fire did it, but don't blame me. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, students say it too, don't they? I'd be better at school, but my teacher doesn't like me. <laughs> We've been telling this story for a long time. You know, we have a hard time saying the words, I'm really responsible. I'm responsible for myself, and I'm responsible for how I respond to my circumstances. We have a hard time saying, I need to stop blaming others. Now, I'm not suggesting that the circumstances of our lives are irrelevant and they don't have an effect on us because they do. They hurt us. We're plagued in life with problems and we have hurts and unfair things happen to us and tragic things happen. We experience loss and pain and sorrow and every human emotion possible. But we are more than these circumstances of our life. And life is not found outside our various situations or circumstances, but it is found within them. To believe something other than the truth that there is an abundant life for my sorry, matted up circumstances is to live constantly looking for the next pool of Bethesda where we can just lie on our mat. See, at some point, we need to tell ourselves a different story, a real one, a true story. And the true story is this. You are more than your circumstances, and God wants to give you more. But first, he wants to know, do you want to be healed? You know, we feel sorry for this man. He's by himself, and, you know, his family is probably gone. He's lame. He, I'm sure he's lonely. And he says, sir, I have no one to help me. Well, in other words, I can't do anything for myself. And he's become a victim. That's what happens to us when we lie on our mat too long. We become a victim. And then we might say, and God's not doing anything to help me. But if we want to be changed we have to decide that we will stop making excuses. We decide we want to get well, and then we quit the excuses and the blame. And then we decide 
were ready to take action. Let's look at verses 8 and 9 and understand that when this man was healed, he was not healed by the magic water. He was healed by the living water, Jesus. See, Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, Jesus didn't help get the man into the water. Let's, let's remember that. When we're sitting there waiting for somebody to do something for us, Jesus didn't do that. He comes to this man on the mat, the same mat, and the situation the man so wants to escape and speaks these words of life to him. Get up off your mat. And here's what he said. Stand it up and pick up your mat and walk. Pick it up, man. Go. Pick it up and go. Jesus often told people that in order to be healed, they had to do something. There, there is a, a, another story in Scripture of a healing, and the man, and Jesus said to a man with a withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. He had to do something. He had to take action, and when he did it, he was healed. There, there's a story of the blind man, and Jesus put dirt on his eyes, and he said, now you go wash. You go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he did, suddenly he could see. And in this case, Jesus said, get up, pick up, and go. Get up. Pick up and go. Now, the man had a choice, didn't he? When Jesus told him he could help him with his circumstances and help him with his situation and bring some healing, the man had a choice. He could listen and he could ignore it, or he could listen and do something. He could make something happen because Jesus was leading him to the happening. He could listen and obey Trust and obey. You see, it's a choice we all have. I have that choice. When I am sitting on my mat of circumstances, I have a choice to listen to what Jesus tells me to do, usually through the Holy Scriptures and through prayer and through wise counsel. I can find out what I need to do, but I have the choice. Jesus said to pick up the mat. He said, don't leave, don't leave it there. See, the man does not leave his mat behind. It goes with him. His circumstances are real. The difference is now he is carrying them. They, are no, they no longer carry him and his circumstances, situation. He carries his mat. He's moving with his mat. See, the man still has work to do. He's no longer a beggar. He needs to find work. He will need to find friends. He will be, need to become active in life. He has ended his life sitting on the mat looking at an illusion. The miracle is the beginning for him and not the end. Jesus doesn't always change our outer circumstances, but he changes us. He causes us into, calls us into a new way of being, of seeing, of acting, of speaking, and of thinking. And when we pick up our mat, our circumstances, and we move on to a new life, that doesn't necessarily make the life easier. It doesn't mean we no longer have to deal with the circumstances of life, but it makes our circumstances more manageable, and we engage them from a different place and position. See, now the pool of Bethesda is drained of its power over us. That illusion has no more power. See, there's freedom. 
There's freedom for this man when he was once imprisoned by it. Those once stagnant waters have changed, haven't they? Because he has been in touch with the living water. The life Jesus offers does not happen as soon as. See, it happens when we are ready to receive it. Have you developed a habit of sitting on your mat? Are you looking for a pool of Bethesda just to sit out the hard stuff? A place just to watch life happen all around? A place to hide behind excuses? A place to wait for someone to fix your problems? Do you want Jesus to heal the parts of your life where you've been hurt? Or is it just easier to hold on to the hurt? When Jesus says to pick up your mat, what he's saying is to come on, get out of the stuck place, change the habit. Quit coming up with excuses to get on with whatever you're called to do, he says. He says, pick it up and move forward. Go. Don't let going back or being stuck be an option in your life because life is lived forward. See, this man's body was healed from its lameness. But what about his soul? And when I say the word soul, I'm referring to his mind, his will, his personality, and his emotions. See, he can be healed physically, but what story is he telling himself? Will he continue to tell himself the wrong ones? Will he make excuses? Will he look for others to live life for him? Will he create new habits of the mind? Or will he revert to the old habits in his mind? Because that is what led him to being stuck on a mat. Now, while the man was lame, he was limited on some things that he could do. But for 38 years, he told himself he could do nothing without somebody else doing it for him. That's what we're talking about. So what is going on within the story he tells himself in his soul? And then we ask the question, well, what about his spirit? His spirit is what is connected to Jesus, what is connected to the Holy Spirit for us. So Jesus has not addressed that with the man. Jesus, what, would, what does Jesus want us to know about our habits of sin in our spirit? Well, here's what did happen with this man. According to verse 14, later, Jesus found this man in the temple. And he said to him, now you are well. And then he says this, so stop sinning. Or something even worse may happen to you. See, Jesus went back to reveal himself to this man. Jesus wanted him to know that he gave him more than just a healthy body. Look at what he said. He said, stop. Stop the bad habits. Stop the emotional sabotage. Stop the story you're telling yourself. Stop the lies you're living in your mind. He said, stop it. And he was concerned about the spiritual health 
See, he was concerned about what was happening in the man's mind because what was happening in the man's mind, his soul was affecting his spiritual life. See, he said, stop it because he was concerned about the man's spiritual health. See, Jesus was concerned about the whole man, the man's body, his soul, and his spirit. He said, stop sinning. Jesus knows that the man's habits were habits of sin. He gives the warning, if you don't change your story, the one you're telling yourself, the one you're living, then something worse may happen. We're going to learn of another healing when Jesus will make the point that not all suffering is a result of a person's sin. We're going to look at that next week in this story of Jesus healing a man born blind. And so so what we know is that not every sin is a generational issue. And so what what we're seeing Jesus saying right now to the man is he is connecting somehow the man's physical condition to sin. It may have been that the man's disability was the result of a personal choice. We don't know. Or Jesus may simply be reminding the man that there are worse things than being crippled. That you can keep sinning in a way that has nothing to do with your physical condition. So we don't know what had been happening in the man's life, whether what he had done, but 38 years is long. They didn't live that long back then, so this may have happened when he was a child, or it may have happened from something that he did that was sinful. We do not know. But what he does say is quit sinning because something even worse may happen, and the worst that may happen may be the eternal consequences of his sin. You know, this man looks a lot like, of, like us And we're a lot like him. This man made mistakes. There was sin in his life. There was was doubt. There were bad habits. He had to answer the question, am I willing to stop in order to get well? Do we want to get well from our own habits? Habits of sin, perhaps? And that brings us to the point of this story. What answer do we give Jesus? When, when Jesus says to us, do you want to get well? And so you have written down your bad habits. Are there any habits of sin there? Are there habits um, in the physical realm of, of what you're doing to your body? Are there habits in the soul of of what you're saying in your mind, uh, in your emotions, in your uh, personality? Are there habits in your spiritual life that are habits of sin? What, What are the habits? What are the bad habits? And Jesus comes to us and he says, do you want to get well? In other words, look at the question this way. Would you like for your life to be all that God intended when he created you? Do you really want to live in your purpose? Do you really want to move forward in your life? It's the question he asked. It is our answer to that question, but but you don't understand. See, I've got all these pressures on me and, and there's no way to get out of all the things that seem to be taking the life from me. 
Or do we say to him, oh, sir, let me just tell you how it really is. This is who I am, and it's really hard to change who I am. Or, or maybe we're saying, but if you were in my shoes, you, you'd have a little more appreciation for what I'm going through. <laughs> Whatever story we're telling him that sounds anything like that means we're answering the wrong question. Jesus is saying, do you want to get well? And we're answering with all the excuses why we can't. You know, as I used to tell my high school students, listen to the question. What is the question? Listen and hear what God is asking you. Listen to the gift he wants to give you. Realize there may just be a solution. There may be a path he wants you to go down. There may be answers found by listening to his voice through scripture, through prayer, through wise counsel. There may be another way to be the person that God intends for you to be. A person that will have peace and joy and exhibit all the other fruit of the Spirit and to live in the wholeness that God has always wanted for you. The question is, are you willing to say, yes, I want to be healed and I'm willing to get up off of the mat of my habits? So when Jesus asks you, do you want to be well? Don't answer the wrong question. Just say yes. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you. <clears throat> I thank you for your healing powers. And it comes in so many ways and so many forms. And you're asking each of us the same question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to walk with me? Are you willing to give up your habits on your mat? Thank you so much that you give us the opportunity and the choice. Help us to answer the questions you ask us. Help us to be willing to let you lead us out of our habits on the mat. And when we do, help us to give you all the praise and the glory, for it's our choice. It is in the name of Jesus, the one you sent to heal. In Jesus' name, amen.